James Bond, weapons, Berettas, Walter PPK, silencers, and more. Today, we talk with a weapons expert, Tom Whiteman, of Legacy Collectibles, all about Major Boothroyd's weapon of choice for James Bond. Hi, this is Dan Silvestri. And Tom Pizzotto. Of SpyMovieNavigator.com, and our show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. Let's go! First of all, welcome, Tom, to our Cracking the Code of Spy Movies show. We're all excited to have you with us today and to see and to hear about a real Walter PPK. So if you're listening, folks out there, you can check out our YouTube channel, too. It's also called Cracking the Code of Spy Movies, and you can see what we're talking about here, too. Hey, it's great to be on your show, and uh, so I'm going to be showing you some really cool guns oh. like this Walter PPK. You <laughs> obviously need to go on the YouTube channel and check this out. Yeah, he's um, holding up a beautiful, real Walter PPK. Yeah. Holy Look geez. at that. Just shiny finish here. Just a beautiful gun. It is. 7.65, also known as 32 caliber. But we'll get into the yes. details in a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Very nice. All right, so Tom, can you explain to us what it is you do and how you do it? How long you've been doing it? And how did you learn so much about guns? Just kind of give us a little background there. Yeah. Well, I'm not your typical gun guy because I actually don't hunt and I rarely shoot. But I love history. So just like you guys love spy movies, I've been watching uh, war movies and the History Channel all of my life over and over and over again. Can't get enough of it. Um, I'm a psychologist by trade. So I worked in uh, the counseling business for 25 years. Wow. But during that time, yeah, I know, and I'm still <laughs> relatively sane. Um, but during that time, I was collecting guns. Now, there's two different worlds there. The world of psychology and counseling, you don't even talk about or mention hobbies like gun collecting. <laughs> and so I was going to gun shows on the weekends. I started, I bought my first Luger when I was in college, bought a uh, PPK soon thereafter. I specialize in World War II guns. Okay. And but of course when I watch James Bond or any war movie actually I always like I, I like will freeze frame and check it out. What's <laughs> he what's he holding there? Probably laser so, focus on the weapons. <laughs> I uh and and by the way James Bond has really helped my business cuz everybody calls and they want a Walter PPK yeah. and I say why do you like Walter PPKs cuz that's what James Bond has. So Isn't that amazing? it does help my business. <laughs> That's, that's amazing. You said helps out my business. You do have a lot of oh, yes. older guns. What's the website people can go to? Okay, so legacy-collectibles.com. It's Legacy Collectibles is the name of the business right here. Yep. Um, legacy-collectibles.com. And I have all eras from flintlocks uh, up wow. to, uh, well, we actually have some modern guns, but we try not to sell modern guns. We try to keep it 1945 or earlier. Wow, that's cool. All right. It's very, it's very cool. I love what I do. Uh, yeah, like I said, I sold my practice and I started this business with my son because he said, Dad, why don't we start selling some of your guns? And that just, <laughs> uh, I now have five employees. And oh, cool. We sell, uh, we might sell 100 guns a week. No kidding. That's pretty cool. It is very cool. Yeah, yeah it's great. All right, so we're going to get into the James Bond stuff and talk about one of our favorite guns in the James Bond series, as we mentioned. So we know Bond carried a Beretta for a while in the Fleming books, and in I think it was a Beretta 418. But at the end of the novel from Russia with Love, Bond's gun, with the silencer on it, I believe, gets caught in his trousers as he's trying to pull the gun out. And that was dangerous. It almost cost him his life. Yes. And so in the next novel, Dr. No, a certain Major Boothroyd recommended that Bond switch guns. And... As an aside, 
1956, the real Jeffrey Boothroyd, who was a firearms expert in Scotland, he wrote to Fleming saying that uh, though he enjoyed the novels and stuff, he really didn't think a Beretta suited 007, and he told him, hey, here's a number of other guns you might consider. And so eventually Fleming settled on the Walter PPK. So again, like we always do, Tom and I, we dig into stuff. We want to know what the heck is PPK and PP? What's all that about, right? So we looked it up, (laughs) and the Walter PPK was derived from a company, this guy, Carl Walther, and he had a Sportswaffen's model PP, and it stood for Polizei Pistole. And so it was a police pistol. That's what it was made for. And so, okay, that's pretty cool. Then the police department said, hey, we have detectives. We need something a little smaller, a little lighter, whatever. Can you make one for our detectives? And so he came up with the Polizei Pistole Criminal or the police pistol for detectives. So that's the PPK. So now we're going to talk to you, an expert on firearms and the PPK, about the PPK. So uh, Boothroyd said, hey. It's nice and light in a lady's handbag. No stopping power. I've never missed with a jet. Yeah, maybe not. But it jammed on your last job and you spent six months in hospital in consequence. If you carry a double O number, it means you're licensed to kill, not get killed. And another thing, since I've been head of MI7, there's been a 40% drop in double O operative casualties, and I wanted to stay that way. You'll carry the water. Unless, of course, you prefer to go back to standard intelligence duties. No, sir. I would not. Then from now on, you carry a different gun. Show him, Amra. Walter PPK. 7.65 mil with a delivery like a brick through a plate glass window. Takes a brush silencer with very little reduction in muzzle velocity. The American CIA swear by them. Thank you, Major Boothroyd. All right, Tom. Is the Beretta a gun that belongs in a lady's handbag and not in Bond's holster? <laughs> And, and does the Walter PPK have the stopping power like a brick through a plate glass window? Well, there's some, there's a little exaggeration there, but yes, <laughs> I have to say the Beretta, it's a small handgun. There's actually a picture of one and it fits in the palm of somebody's hand. So it is a small gun. Walter, by the way, also made a Model 8 and a Model 9. And they actually, wow. when they made them, they sold them with little uh, ladies' handbags uh, uh, with them. So oh, really? instead of a holster, you'd put them in a ladies' handbag. <laughs> so I I actually agree. It's probably more suited for a ladies' handbag. Yeah. And the 25 caliber is, I mean, there's no police department or any detective worth their salt that would carry a 25 caliber. It's just a, it's not much bigger than a 22 caliber. I, you always hear stories about 25 caliber, 22 caliber wouldn't kill anybody. Well, if you're a good shot and you get it in the right place, yeah. uh, it'll kill somebody. But in terms of stopping power, if somebody's coming right at you and you put three bullets in him, he's probably going to still keep coming at you okay. unless you uh, strategically put it between his eyes. So yeah. I would have to agree with that assessment that that the Beretta 418 uh, was not a good choice for James Bond. Okay. It is a ladies pistol. All right. And the so Ber- in terms of the, in terms of the kick on that. So I've only shot a Beretta. I've not shot a Walter yet. What is there a difference in the kick <laughs> that you've got to deal with? Given that the only the, the bigger. 
Yeah, only depending on the caliber of the bullet. So if you shot a Beretta 22 or a 25, there's very little kick. A 32 caliber, and again, at that, in Europe, it's 7.65 because they go by millimeters. But okay. in the United States, it's a 32 caliber bullet, which is a pretty common bullet, and it has a fair amount of kick. Okay. Now, uh, you can buy a Walder PPK, PP or PPK in 9 millimeter that's that's a that that'll give you a heavy kick in fact the gun that i was uh, showing you this walder ptk and one of the reasons james bond would like it is uh walder well germans were known for having the best weapons technology in the world yeah which was a real unfortunate <laughs> fact for us in world war ii you know they had jets but way before we did yeah, and yeah, they yeah. developed these guns way before we did and in fact what i'm showing you this has an aluminum frame Okay. So it's really light. And now the, the barrel is stainless steel and the slide is metal, but the frame is aluminum. This was all experimental at the time, but they pulled it off. And it was great for the criminal police. You could keep it in your vest pocket. It's yeah. very light. And all that is to say, but you put a nine millimeter in this and it's, it's liable to crack the frame. It's almost oh. too much, too much jarring. So nine millimeter is a little too much for this gun, but a 7.65 gives you the stopping power that you need in terms of a, a brick going through a plate glass. I don't know. I, I just know it has good penetration and I do think it's a good caliber for somebody who wants to keep it in their vest pocket. Okay, all right. So it looked like, it, so it's a 32 caliber is what yes. Bond is using. And we've seen things that said a, a, a 32 ACP and does that apply to this gun though? Because it, it seems like that's a what automatic Colt pistol that stands for, doesn't it? Uh, yes, that, that's actually the the length of the uh, cartridge. So oh, okay. uh, it has more to do with the amount of powder that's in the bullet. So, so uh, like for example, a thirty-eight special yeah. and a three fifty-seven Magnum are the same size, except the cartridge on a three fifty-seven Magnum is a lot longer, more power powder, okay. Okay. and therefore more power. Okay. All right, so we were going to ask about what's the difference between millimeter and caliber, and I think you've explained a little bit of it. Yeah. So the 7.6 millimeter gun that Bond uses is a 32 caliber. Correct, gun. ACP to be technically correct. Yep. If you're going ACP. to the store to buy the ammo, it would be 32 ACP. Okay. I think I have one. <laughs> there you go. Well, there it is. He's holding There's up a, uh, right there. Uh, a piece of uh, a, a bullet. What, <laughs> yeah, what everybody uh, uses on police departments and stuff is usually a nine millimeter. You know, they always talk about a nine millimeter yes. Glock. Yeah. So you can see the difference. Oh, the Glock, right, yeah, yeah. Um, this this has a lot, it, this it's is longer. just a little bit wider. Right. So instead of, you know, it's the size of the hole going in. So which one's um, wider? Darn, and then huh? this is hollow point, which makes a bigger hole going out. Okay. So this has plenty of stopping power. This is going to have more kick. This is the nine millimeter is okay. going to have more kick. Okay. And this is preferred by, as you know, most police departments and uh, many of, in the military will use a nine millimeter cartridge. Okay. Now in the movie. So I, I'm actually, I'm actually impressed that you have some because my <laughs> understanding is there's a shortage on ammo right now. <laughs> well, to be honest, that's been in my drawer for about two years. Okay. Fortunately, I've never used it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So that's good. <laughs> All right, That's so, only for when somebody comes in who's not invited. <laughs> Be warned out there. <laughs> All right. In the movie, Boothroyd says that the American CIA swears by the Walter PPK. Now, did the CIA ever really use a Walter PPK? I was poking around. I couldn't find that. 
Well, we, you know, we were talking a little bit before the show that the OSS, Office of Strategic Services, that was the CIA in World War II, and they used a smaller version of the Colt 1911. It was actually a 1903 Colt. So again, it's a smaller version, and it uses a 380 caliber, which is the same as 9 millimeter. Okay. But the Americans have always preferred a higher caliber bullet. So for our army side piece, in fact, the Germans uh, sent us examples before we went to war with Germany. They were trying to sell guns to the U.S. Army, and they had the nerve to send us a gun that was 30 caliber. (laughs) (laughs) And the uh, the army said, you've got to be kidding me. So they said, how about nine millimeter? And they said, you got to be kidding me. And so that's how we ended up with a 45 caliber 1911. Now, I don't have that cartridge in here, but that is one huge bullet. A 45 caliber is is a lot of power. So the OSS used a smaller, um, similar to the 1911, but just shrunk down a little bit, and and they would use a 9mm bullet. Okay, so most likely the CIA wasn't using Walter PPKs, uh, like they say in the movie. But we do see in the movie Felix Leiter, who's holding a gun on... James Bond and Felix Leiter is a CIA agent. He's holding a gun on James Bond at Pussfeller's Jamaican Bar. Now, is that gun, and I, I we had a couple of pictures we showed you on that, is yes. that gun that Felix Leiter hold, is holding, is that a Walter PPK? Uh, it looks very much like it is. However, <laughs> I believe, because I checked out the barrel length, so uh, this is the PP. Okay. And this is the PPK. All right, we're holding up. Uh, Tom's holding up both guns. All right, I'm going to put. Um, I'm going to put one over the other. Okay. okay. I'll try to line them up, and uh, and I'll describe it. The the PP is only about a half an inch longer. Okay. And the if you look at the bottom, let's look at it this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the PP is a half inch longer on the frame and also on the barrel. Okay. So that half inch gives you a little more accuracy because the longer the barrel, sure. the more the more accurate. But uh-huh. it also adds one extra round. So uh-huh. uh, the PPK holds seven rounds. The PP will hold eight. Okay. Now, that's good. In that, when when I looked at the picture, and it, it's actually this side, and you can see. When I look at from here to here, and that's from the ejection port to the end, it looks to me like he's carrying a uh, Walter PP, and James Bond has a PPK. So okay. all it does is give him one more, one extra round. Okay. Um, the actually the internal parts are almost most of the internal parts are completely ex- exchangeable. So if I break a part on here, yeah. I can take a PPK part and put it in the PP. It'll work fine. Oh, okay. All right. So at least they're consistent in the movie yes. when they're saying that the CIA uses the PPK. Hey, there we got Felix Leiter holding a PP, uh, Walter PPK. That's or PP. He's holding a PP, right? The yeah. PP, not the PPK. Yeah. 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 Okay. You have to be right. careful how you say that. He's right. holding a PP. <laughs> He's holding a Walter PP. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm not going there. <laughs> yeah, we just leave that alone. I, I do that when I do my I do some YouTube videos, and I often will say something of the in those regards, and the comments are voluminous. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine. Now, Boothroyd mentions a silencer when he's talking about the gun, and it sounded like he said a barrage silencer. What kind of silencer would have been around in 62 when they made the movie? And how much does a silencer really silence? Yeah. 
good question. And, um, you know, just a historical fact, Maxim, Hiram Maxim, which made one of the early machine guns, actually he invented the silencer all the way back in about 1910. Oh. So they've been around for a long time. They weren't in wide use. Theodore Roosevelt actually uh, liked the silencer and he would put it on his rifle when he went hunting. Um, so they were around for a long time, but then suddenly uh, they became more popular, I think from spy movies and things like that. Uh, you still will hear a bang. So when the bullet, when the bullet discharges, the striker hits the uh, powder, well, that will make a bang no matter what. And it's it's about like a, a small firecracker. Oh. But the the biggest the biggest bang comes from breaking the sound barrier as the bullet comes out and it, it makes the bang as in breaking the sound barrier. So one of the things that the silencer will do is slow down the exit of the bullet so that you muffle that. You, you don't have that. You have the first bang of the powder igniting but you don't have that louder bang that is, comes from breaking the sound barrier. I, I actually have a uh, silencer here. Oh, um, we're and looking if, at you, if James Bond, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can I can pull up a Thompson machine gun too if you'd like. Um, <laughs> but uh, if you if you thread, you would have to thread the barrel. They would extend the barrel about a quarter inch and okay. thread it, All and right. then you just screw that on, and that's that's what James Bond's gun yeah, is yeah. going to look like with a silencer on it. There's a lot of different makers today. Okay. There's dozens of makers. They're fairly simple, even though they're expensive. They're fairly simple. But I had never heard of the barrage. But when you guys asked about it, I, I looked it up and yeah. they do they do make silencers. However, in the 60s, of course, when James Bond would have been buying his silencer, H&K, they made the best and they were the, the biggest supplier of silencers in the 60s. So ah, okay. I would say in if if James Bond was a real person, he <laughs> definitely had an H&K silencer. But for some reason, somebody picked the barrage and i'm not sure why yeah okay all well, right yeah part, of, part of the thing is in the movie the silencer he used couldn't have done what they tried to do because it wasn't screwed on it was it was actually for the movie a wooden doll so he could just take it off easily uh, just slide it in the chamber and out or in the barrel okay. and out yeah but, yeah these uh, these do screw on and sometimes it it can be a little awkward so you know, if James Bond, if somebody sneaks up on him, he just wants to pull this out really quickly and shoot. He's not going to store this, no. you know, with the silencer on it, he's not going to store that in his vest. So, right. you know, if you're out on a, an assignment, like he's hiding in the bushes, then he has time to pull out the silencer, attach it to the PPK, and take his shot. But, you know, when you're in a running gun battle, yeah. you, you don't want to be fiddling with a silencer. That's just my opinion. Sure. Have the silencers gotten better now? Are they completely silent? I saw a video on YouTube of this one guy use, firing a Walter PPK and he had a, I think a .22 rimfire caliber suppressor. Yeah. And he said it was like six and a half inches long or what, and he fired it and it was pretty silent. Here's a clip from that YouTube video I'm talking about from 704 Tactical. Today I'm gonna suppress this 22 James Bond gun with this little suppressor and see how it sounds. These cans are so lightweight and they have a monocore baffle design, making them nearly silent. And this is just a really cool James Bond package. Let's take some shots with this thing and see how quiet it actually is. All right, guys, first shots out of this Walther PPK with this Hughes Precision 22 suppressor. Kind of 
kind of like the yeah, movie. It sounds <laughs> it sounds actually more like an air rifle. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, okay. And, and so a good example, one of the reasons I have this silencer is there's no no place around me where I can shoot that the neighbors won't complain. But I, I had a pretty isolated area, and I would uh, I would you know put some cans off of my deck and put on the silencer with a 22. Now keep in mind the 22 is going to have a much softer bang to it. If you put this on a 45 caliber, mm. you're going to hear a pop. Yeah. But uh, all you hear is, you know, just a. It almost sounds like a, a puff of air. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And the neighbors could never call the police, and I never heard any animals in the <laughs> in the making uh, of this video. <laughs> yeah, in the making of the video, I, I swear I never heard an animal. But it's something because people say, "Why do you need a silencer?" Well, now you know. All right, all right. So, the Walter BBK, as you mentioned, is a German pistol, and the Germans were good at at weaponry, as you mentioned, for World War II and so on. And it was issued to James Bond in the in Fleming novel, Dr. No, and, of course, in the movie we saw. We were just talking about all that. When the, tr the transition to the big screen, the Walter PPK became Bond's primary weapon, and it was featured, really, from Dr. No in 1962 all the way through 1997, Tomorrow Never Dies. But interestingly, when they were filming Dr. No, the props did not show up in time. And so Ber Bernard Lee, who plays M, brought his own very real Walter PPK for the filming. <laughs> and there were only two Walter PPKs that were used in the movie, or two Walters that were moved in, used in the movie. And one of them sold at an auction in 2020 for $256,000. <laughs> Holy jeez. Wow. All right. Wow. So That sounds like there's a James Bond premium on that one. <laughs> yeah, def definitely. <laughs> And by the way, I never heard that story. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. And, of course, we know the weapon referred to in the film is the Walter PPK by M and Bernard Lee, like we said. But in actuality, the production people used the Walter PP, which I think they said was a 38 caliber ACP. Uh, they do make them. They make them in 32 and 38. Okay. Um, so maybe, they, maybe that's what the prop guys used then. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. That's pretty wild. So... All right, so Tom, there, I do have one question. We've talked about the PP, we've talked about the PPK, and I've also read about a PPK slash S. What's the slash S mean? Yeah. Uh, excellent question, um, and it's not all that exciting. Uh, basically, <laughs> the S was made for the American market, and that was in 1986, the import laws in the United States changed so that you could import a Walther PP, but you could not import a PPK. And the reason was the barrel and the frame were not long enough. They were trying to do away with, you know, the small sidearms that people were using to kill people. Now today, they're, we kill people with just about everything. But back in, in 1986, they were trying to do away with what they called Saturday night specials. And oh, yeah. so the PPK right. was banned from coming to the United States. So Walter, and of course, we were a huge part of their market. So they got around it by changing the length of the barrel and the length of the frame just a little bit to yeah. call it the PPKS. I don't know if it holds enough, if it's enough to hold an extra round. Uh, but then they also added to the PP. They made a PP Super, which had you know held a, a few more rounds. So they they played around with di different sizes to appeal to the American market. Mm -hmm. But that's all that was. It was just trying to get the right length that would get through our 
customs laws. Okay. All right. That's great. Right. Thank you. Because in uh, in World War II, didn't the military make a gun called the Liberator, and they were going to try to distribute it through uh, yeah, the French I, resistance I have one and everything? Somewhere, but... Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, no, that's a great story. I actually did a, a YouTube video about the Liberator, okay. uh, but they made something like a million of those Liberators in a matter of three months. And right. it was like 300 women made a million Liberators. They were a, a cheap 45 caliber one shot wow. uh, gun. Yeah, That was an OSS operation, by the way. They okay. dropped them behind enemy lines in France yeah, and yeah. different occupied countries, and then also in Asia. And so with that 45 caliber, you would only get one bullet, but you would walk up to a guy with a, a machine gun yeah. and he'd say, give me your papira. And you would pull out your liberator and shoot him and take his, his gun. So it was meant to be shot uh, and dropped. Wow. They, I think they, they, it was like 20 cents per gun is oh, the production geez. cost. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Did they have serial numbers on them? No, there was no <laughs> rifling uh, so that you had to be up close and personal. No rifling just mean they were very inaccurate. Yeah, um, and no basically. serial numbers, no markings whatsoever, because they didn't want them to be able to trace them back. Yeah, yeah. And it, Boy, it wasn't that sounds like a gun by the mob. It wasn't used <laughs> all that much, though, right? I mean, in in reality, it didn't work all that well. I mean, it didn't work out that well. No, in reality, they they said that about ninety percent of them were dumped in the ocean because what they found was. Uh, it just backfired. You know, they would do a drop and the Japanese would capture them all. Oh, and and all so right. it, it, it didn't work out real well. But all if you read, there's different stories because the OSS says it was wildly successful, uh, but they just never told anybody. And then other people said it was a complete waste of money. So it depends on who you read. <laughs> yeah. As everything is in life. It depends yeah, on who you're talking changed. to. <laughs> yeah, that, I was gonna say, that hasn't changed. Huge success. Yeah. Total All right. So we know Bond's not using a liberator. That's for sure. Yeah. Why was the Walther PPK a good choice for Bond? Um, you know, it's always had a mystique. I, I, I would like to tell you that it's better than every other gun, but it really isn't. Now, they were the first to come up with the design they did. And mm -hmm. then, of course, everybody copied it. In fact, the United States tried to copy it. Uh, they ended up buying Smith & Wesson, bought the Waller company and brought it over to the United States. But the bottom line was when people bought a Waller, they always wanted to see made in Germany. Mm -hmm. So uh, after the war, for a short period of time, they were made in France. And we get those from time to time and people will say, oh, I don't want one of those. I want one made in Germany. <laughs> so it really is the mystique of a Waller PPK. Was the, they, they first started making them in 1930. It was way ahead of their time. The design it, the design is in double action, which means if I can just pull the trigger yeah. and it'll fire, right. or you can cock it and it'll fire. Okay. Um, so this is a double action. It's got sleek lines. It's a cool looking pistol. The Beretta, by the way, is very boxy. This is not the same variation, but oh, it's very a, boxy. Hold, Tom's holding it up does a not work in double action. Uh -huh. So the PPK is definitely an improvement Okay. Um, and but now it's just uh, you know it's almost like the BMW it's or the Mercedes it's got a mystique of its own it's well made yeah. it's and if you're British uh, I don't want to I don't know how many British listeners you have but they don't <laughs> really have any handguns to compete with um, with the Walther PPK they had the Webley which is a big bulky yeah. revolver and any spy is going to prefer a German made actually the best uh, small caliber pistols were made in Belgium, Germany, and the United States. Okay. If you were a spy, which what gun would you want to use to carry around? 
I would probably carry the Walder PP or PPK <laughs> just because they're reliable and they're accurate. Yeah. Trying to think on a U.S. gun, I don't know. The 1903 Colt is a little bulky. I, I like the Walder PP and PPK. Yeah. Now, what I, about the Glocks? Because I know, like in U.S. Marshals, they use yes. Glocks is gun of choice. Yeah, and I, I wanted to make the point that everybody now, and that's the thing about James Bond. He's a classic guy, you know, shaken not stirred. He wants his <laughs> he wants his drink a certain way. He wants his car a certain way. He wants his women a certain way, but he. The Glocks are made a lot of plastic, and uh, you know American law enforcement likes it. It shoots nine millimeter, and you can put fifteen rounds in that thing because they use a, a stackable, so it's a much thicker handle, so mm -hmm. the bullets stack in there. You know, in the future, maybe James Bond would say, "Hey, I'd rather have a plastic gun. It's light. I mean, the the there are metal parts, obviously, yeah. but the plastic gun." having more rounds in the chamber are helpful. Mm. I could see him moving in that direction, but it's funny because a lot of Americans, uh, they'll say to me, I don't want one of those plastic guns. I want a classic, well-made, solid, reliable gun yeah. like the Walther PPK. Okay. I mean, is this a semi-automatic? What is the classification of Yeah, a this is considered a semi-automatic. It's, it's a little more complicated because you have to first have a bullet in the chamber. So you're walking around, there's no bullet in the chamber. You pull the trigger, nothing happens. So you do have lock and load. Okay. You have to you have to cock it and okay. put one in the chamber, Where, as opposed to it with a revolver. See if the people are listening, you can hear that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's cool. um, if you have a revolver, and women will sometimes call me and say, you know, I want a protection piece. That would be a ladies gun, by the way. I often will recommend a revolver because you just point and shoot. Yeah. But with the semi-automatic, uh, you usually have more rounds. They're accurate. They're reliable. You just have to be careful. The same advantage, uh, well, the same disadvantage of having to cock it. The other problem is once it's cocked and you take the magazine out, there's still a bullet in there. Yeah. So people will clean their guns. Oh. And they'll take this out and they'll say, oh, it's empty, but the bullet in the chamber. And if that goes off, you're going to shoot someone or mm. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have to know what you're doing. It takes it takes a lot more practice with a semi-automatic and know what you're doing so that you don't accidentally uh, shoot something. Yeah. Now, when Bond's walking around with this, uh, 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 he's got a, a bullet in the chamber because he's ready, right? He's right. Got, he's got it. It, does the double action actually help prevent him from accidentally firing it at himself while it's in a holster or something because you have to do something else? No, but the safety would. So when okay. he's walking around, he can have it loaded, ready to go. He can even have it cocked, but um, he has the safety on. Okay. So he can't accidentally. Uh, okay. So when you fire, when you point to fire, you want to, I'll do it this way. You just. <laughs> we're watching pop, pop the safety you know pop the safety up and then pull so okay. the revolver generally revolvers don't have a safety yes. because the the bullets are in there and you know you just point and shoot yeah james bond though being a classic guy would always have his safety on yeah sure okay all right that's good so i think tom asked you what you would recommend i mean if you were the quartermaster who provides the gadgets and weaponry to james bond uh, which weapon would you suggest bond use in the future say the next yeah. james bond movie yeah what could he well, be using you, know, you mentioned um, i think a p5 he used a p99 this is uh, actually a p22 but that's what the p99 this actually has a laser sight Huh? Uh, a P99 looks a little bit like this. So, Actually, the look is the same, but it's a little bigger. 
I didn't have a P99 uh, available, but this is my little 22 caliber laser sight. And James Bond definitely would use the laser sight because that's what, what Q would give him. Okay. Uh, so you turn on the laser, you just put it on the target. And uh, this, do this does have some plastic parts. Now, he wouldn't do the camouflage because right, right. that's kind of cheesy looking. He would have, it does come in black. And what, what, um, what is this model? You can get a flashlight now? attached to it, but... Uh, yeah, it would ha it, it'll chamber more rounds. It's this is like more state of the art and a little bit more like the Glock, but it is a classic Walther. So this is the P22, and then oh, one P22. of the one of the movies he used the P99. Yeah. So you know, if you get a, a young, yeah, that's how uh, Marl never dies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and 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 I could see in the future, you know, I think the future gun for for James Bond is going to be more about the ammunition because I do think he he would like nine millimeter. Mm-hmm. He would like more rounds in the chamber because he, you know, when he gets in running street battles or he's on a motorcycle, you know, and he was on the motorcycle and he's shooting behind yeah, yeah, him, yeah, yeah. and you know, you have to have more rounds. But I also think that the future James Bond is going to have, um, you know, Q's going to give him special bullets that uh, are heat seeking, or you know, you you point it toward the person and it'll track him down. Um, so uh, there's microchips in the ammunition. I think is the wave of the future for James Bond. Really? Is that a reality now, or is that uh, something? Uh, it actually is, but no um, I'm told I, they can't tell me anything about it, or <laughs> they'd have to kill me. But I did see that snipers are now using uh, bullets that will track the enemy. I think the ultimate would be if you have DNA that it would track you by your DNA, so that you know you get the bad guy and not bystander. Uh, I think we're a ways from that, yeah. but we are not, uh, I don't think we're very far. In fact, I think they, I'm sure they have in development bullets that are heat signature. You know, you get somebody who's hiding around the corner and it'll, it'll find you. <laughs> Man, that's going to be something. <laughs> Holy yeah. God. So if, you know, the producers of that movie, I want a royalty for that idea, by the way. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be a check in the mail. Right. <laughs> uh, all right, that's cool. So, um, yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask a question. So, go ahead. All right, looking on LinkedIn, I see that you're actively involved with rehab after work and something called life management. Is that was that your psychology business, or is there something else with those? Yeah, um, life management was the corporation, but I had a counseling center, life counseling, and uh, so I worked there as a psychologist. I actually was the founder and president. Uh, rehab after work was a drug and alcohol program. So we first were doing mental health, uh, mostly marriage and family, teenagers in trouble, right. things like that. And we worked with most major insurers. But at one point, we decided to add drug and alcohol, which is a whole different way of counseling people. So I had to hire all different people to come in. And so we ran uh, drug and alcohol programs along with mental health programs. And the whole time I was doing that, I was collecting guns. But as I said, the two populations don't mix well. So I tried to keep everybody apart. Yeah. Right. Uh, so when I, 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 I um, the town. Yeah. I, so one one story you'll appreciate when I sold. So I sold the business, and when I sold it, the people who bought it they said, "Now if we buy this business, we we need you to sign a five year non compete." Well, already in my head, I was thinking, well, "I'm going to go start this gun business, and I'm going to enjoy life a lot more." So I said, "I'm sorry, that won't work for me." And I said, no, make it 10 or it's not a deal. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. 
so I, uh, I left that business. Uh, it was very rewarding, but some, some days were very, very difficult. And uh, I what I do now is what I love, and we're just having a great time and, and uh, selling a little bit of history. Yeah, that's exciting. That's exciting. So you, you mostly have a World War II or, well, from 1945 and before. Uh, well, 1945 and before okay. and if people check out our youtube channel um we have a lot of vet bringbacks so what i try to do is i look up the history of the vet and what he did we just did one today on a guy who won a silver star and a purple heart he was wounded in an artillery barrage he brought back uh, actually three guns and i have the capture paper mm. uh, from 1945 he brought wow. the three guns and and we we show the guns and talk about the history of the gun and the guy who did it and it's a salute to our vets. Yeah. So uh, we, that's one of the, my favorite things to do on uh, YouTube. Cool. All right. Now, can I ask you a question about that date, 1945? Um, I understand with the war, but isn't there a date where sell, reselling a gun changes what you have to do paper-wise or something like yeah, that? Yeah, so the government, uh, ATF has a, a category called CNR, which is Curio and Relics. So if you have a CNR license, if you had a CNR, I could ship it directly to you. And so 45 and before are all, other than machine guns, 45 and before are under the CNR exemption. Okay. So we buy and sell guns to people who have a CNR. If you don't have a CNR, I can mail you a gun, but I have to mail it to your local dealer. You go there and fill out the forms and go through the background check. Okay. The CNR does away with the background check. You just you can you know you can buy a hundred guns a week yeah. with a CNR as long as they're 1945 and before. Yeah, but these are okay. these, these what, are operational I, I thought guns. That date too, was huh? a magic date. So yeah, yeah, it's um now yeah it is a magic date for a lot of people. <laughs> and you know my caution is guns from 1944 can be just as lethal. So so far we've never I've never heard in the news or ever had an issue with any of our customers using a gun in anger. Right. And you just don't hear about people robbing banks with German Lugers. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> so far it has not been a problem. All right. Hey, this has been fun. All right. If you're listening to the audio podcast only, we have a video version on our Cracking the Code of Spy Movies channel on YouTube where you can actually see some of the guns Tom Whiteman's been talking about here. All right, that's a wrap. We'd like to thank our special guest, Tom Whiteman of Legacy Collectibles, for taking us on a quick-fire tour <laughs> of the Walter PPK. You can check out his website at legacy-collectibles.com and his YouTube channel, which is fascinating. I've watched a bunch of them. Search Legacy Collectibles. Hey, Tom, thanks a lot. This has been a blast. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> I right. really appreciate it, Tom. This has been great. This has been Dan Silvestri. And Tom Pizzato. Of SpyMovieNavigator.com and our show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. And while we're at it, why not fire off a quick five-star review for us on your favorite podcast app? Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. <laughs>